What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Unmuted Generations. I'm your host, Ryan Mew, and today I have on a super established guest in the marketing field. She was featured on Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30 in 2018 for her work as a social media leader at Hallmark Cards. Currently, she works as a talent marketing manager at Royal Caribbean Cruises, one of the biggest cruise lines in the world and one of my personal favorites. I encourage you to all check it out once COVID-19 is over. Today, we chat about everything from the beginnings of her journey to the various milestones she hit along the way and her opinions on how the cruise industry will operate post-COVID-19. As always, feel free to show your support by following at Unmuted Generations on Instagram and LinkedIn. Appreciate all the awesome feedback. And without further ado, please help me welcome Thea Neal. Hey Thea, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for asking. Uh, welcome to Unmuted Generations. Really happy to have you here today. Um, I, I really love the fact that you consider yourself a right-winged creative with a left-brained metrics mindset because a lot of people in the marketing field, they particularly see it as a binary option. I could either be in communications, I could either be an analyst, and you're really breaking down that barrier, so props to you. You've worked for a ton of Big companies, gotten a lot of accomplishments along the way. Really just curious. So how did your journey start? Let's see. So it's funny because I went when I went into college, I was kind of like, I'm going to be a fancy magazine journalist and I'm going to live in New York City and I'm going to write about clothes at Vogue or in style. And so I, I got a New York internship working in casting and I realized like, oh, this is terrible. I actually don't want to do this. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll just be a newspaper journalist. Like I'll do investigative work and it's going to be awesome. And so then I went and I interned at a newspaper and I was like, okay, that was terrible too. Um, and so then I was like, I'm going to work for the U.S. government. Like I love being active and I love like um, politics. And so I went and I worked for the U.S. government for two years. And I was like, oh, this is this moves very slow. Like this is not, um, I'm not going to come in. It's not going to be like the West Wing where I'm like changing everything overnight. Uh, and so I realized after I went to grad school um, that I really liked social media and it was something that was just like ingrained in me. And I like to think that way and it was very fast and it was always changing. And so I got a job at um, Ignite Social Media, which is the world's first social media agency. Uh, and so that was really cool. And so worked there and worked on really great brands. But ultimately, like I got into social because I tried a lot of other things that were in media and communications and realized that I just didn't like them. And so um, social was something that I knew I already liked and I, something I was already doing every day. Um, so it was natural to kind of switch into it. Nice. What What didn't you like about journalism particularly? Uh, all right, let's see. What didn't I enjoy about journalism? Um, I think journalists are underpaid, especially in the 21st century. Uh, I think that they are incredibly, incredibly hardworking, and it's a really hard time to be a journalist now. Um, so I graduated from undergrad in 2010. And I think uh, I had an internship in 2009. And that was when the newspaper was moving from being in print, you know, six days a week being in print three days a week. And 
um, just to like watch these very like good established journalists like get laid off from their jobs for no reason other than like these media conglomerates don't want to pay them and they don't want to change their you know subscription styles. Mm. It it sucks. So I just journalists get a lot of flack and they're doing such amazing work and it's just not what it used to be for journalism. Yeah, that is true. They do get a lot of flack. And I think also it's like what you were kind of saying with all these different mediums out now, like anybody could really be a journalist. Like some people I know they watch YouTube like an influencer and they get their news off of there. Or some people go on Twitter and everybody's just kind of sharing tweets and uh-huh. and whatnot. So I think uh, I think it's a really tough job and only a couple people really succeed in that industry who want to be journalists, but it, it could be fulfilling also when it's a, a tough area. I think you made the right move with, with social media though. So when you, you were saying before you always liked social media, did you say it kind of like from a personal level or did you have some sort of like side business? Yeah, I always liked it from a personal level. Like I remember I got on Twitter back in like 2008. I've been on it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a cool way to like meet people that you'd never have like known in IRL. Uh, and so I appreciated that part of it. And I also, I think even when I was like a lot younger, I really liked how you can like curate your image. I guess it's kind of a PR thing, but like curate who you are on the internet. And so I, I mean, social was just all of those things wrapped into one. Nice. So you gained a lot of skills with Ignite. You ended up going to Fleischmann, if I'm not mistaken. And then from there, you went into Hallmark where you really grew your social media skill set and, and grew as a leader. Yes. Yes. I can. All right. So I was at Fleischmann for two years um, after Ignite. And that was really good because I learned a lot about um, different brands. So I was working almost exclusively on Procter and Gamble beauty brands when I was at Ignite. And then when I went to Fleischmann, I worked on a ton more brands. So I was working on Safeway. I was working on HP. I was working on Cree, which is a lighting company. Uh, I was working on uh, K Jewelers and Jared the Galleria. And like while I was there, it was really good because I learned a lot more about business as a whole rather than just like business of one company. Like I learned about business and corporate, you know, communications and corporate, um, just like really how corporations work a lot more at Fleischmann. And so I, I was recruited by Hallmark and I, I think every agency person is kind of always curious of, Oh, what would it be like if I went in house? And so I was like, well, this is an opportunity. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go work in house. I'm going to, I had all these huge social media dreams that I was going to do for Hallmark. Um, and then, of course, once you get there, there's always a lot of different, you know, unexpected things. So there's so many people who work in social and communications and marketing at Hallmark, and they have a very interesting business structure. Um, and so just being there and like learning about that firsthand, I think if you're a, a marketing or communications person to know the agency side of it and the in-house side of it is very valuable. And so at Hallmark, once I got there, um, I was working on their retail marketing. So that's all of their Hallmark Gold Crown stores, hallmark.com. Um, basically, you know, I was figuring out how to sell a um, Christmas ornament to someone who is not spending a lot of time on Instagram normally, um, but maybe spending more time on Facebook. And just like learning about different audiences for one specific brand is 
is really interesting, um, especially at, you know, a historic brand like Hallmark, who um, kind of had their demographic figured out, but I don't think was always thinking about their future demographic. And so that was a, a cool experience to learn about, you know, firsthand rather than being at an agency and getting what it's filtered to you. Yeah. Well, you earned a Forbes distinction there. So I'm, I'm assuming you did a pretty good job. And <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, that was crazy. I think one of the things you brought up prior to going to Hallmark is you're working for like a bunch of different clients. I think that's so important because sometimes when you graduate college or graduate your university, they say, hey, what industry do you want to work in? And sometimes people don't know, but with an agency, I'm glad you were able to gain so many different perspectives. Was everything at Hallmark like in-house, like the creative, the analytics, all of that, or did they not outsource any of their work? Yeah, so Hallmark has all of their creatives um, in-house, which I think is really cool. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for companies that do that because, A, it's expensive, um, especially for Hallmark, because to get all of these really amazing world-class creatives to, to live in Kansas City um, isn't a, a cheap endeavor by any means. Um, and then we, I mean, there's definitely issues there sometimes with having people in-house there's issues with having agencies you know sourced to do creative um all of our analytics were done in-house um but i think also like people want to work for iconic brands and hallmark is an iconic brand so yeah they do have that like name brand recognition that a smaller place wouldn't have got it so what was kind of your your day-to-day like over there and and what lessons did you learn about kind of running the social media strategy? Yeah. Um, so my day to day. So when I got there, they were like, Hey, we, we just opened this Instagram. It has, you know, 200 followers. Um, we don't have a ton of money for paid content. Uh, but if you have any ideas, like, <laughs> let me know. And so I was going in representing retail marketing for our Instagram and our Pinterest and then all of our influencer work. Um, And in the past, we had just been like sourcing content to, you know, agencies to do um, for influencer work. And so when I was there, I did work with an agency to really handle our contracts. Uh, And then I also like they would send us over ideas and we had like a very dynamic relationship instead of what I think happens sometimes with agencies and um, corporations where it's like the agency told us to do this, so we're going to do it. And I think I came in a little bit more like, hey, let's ask some more questions. Let's um, let's make this like a working relationship instead of a like vendor relationship. It's not like a you do this or that mentality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that a lot of places we always say like the C-suite will listen to an outside place much better than they'll listen to the people that the, like smart people that they hire, and that's the case honestly like everywhere. Um, but my day-to-day was really just like looking at trends, figuring out what the products were that we had inventory of that we wanted to sell, um, figuring out how our paid ads were doing, uh, looking at uh, what content we had coming up for the next month. So a lot of the content, the work that I did was working with creatives to be like, hey, here's this new um, feature on Instagram stories and we wanna make a post around that. so how can we do it? And so we would have a studio and I would go in and, and see what they were shooting. And it, it, it was a, it was a very fun, like cool 
way to do social um, for the time that I was there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Did you, when you were there, were you, so were you, you were kind of directing the social media strategy for Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. The strategy for our retail marketing, Instagram and Pinterest and all of our influencer work was all what I worked on. Yeah. Nice. Was was it something where you were always like kind of up for the challenge or did you ever have moments where you were like, oh man, I'm not sure if I'm I'm capable of doing this just because it's, you're really actually just starting from the bottom. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think when we got there, yeah. When, when I got there, we had like 200 Instagram followers. And when I left, I think we had like 25,000, um, which isn't yeah. terrible for two and a half years and like not a ton of, and not a ton of paid spent. And also like our demographic, the person who shops at, at Hallmark isn't necessarily someone who uses Instagram. So I like to say that, you know, a majority of those new followers are also new Hallmark shoppers because they're not the people that are in our stores a lot of the time. Um, did I ever, so did I ever feel like I didn't really know what I was doing? Uh, I mean, it's honestly, it sounds cocky, but no, like I spend a lot of time honing my craft and getting good at what I do. I did have moments where what I wanted to do, I couldn't do because upper leadership wouldn't let me. So mm-hmm. I think when you go in house, it's a lot of politics um, that are different, which is a different approach than what you have in most agencies. Like I, with an agency, I would go in and I would say, here's what we need to do. Here's the best thing. This is going to make us the most money. And it was like, okay, then let's do that. We're going to recommend that. And then the, you know, the corporation will trust us to do it. I think when you're in house and you say all of those exact same things, there's always going to be one person that's higher above you. That's going to be like, ah, I don't, I don't think we really need to do that. Like I don't want to. And so then you have to navigate yeah. the, the politics of that. Yeah. I, don't, I think with a lot of, you know, recent graduates, that's something they don't always understand completely. You know, I talk to a lot of them and I, I help mentor sometimes and they're always like, Oh, well, what advice do you have for me to, for getting a job? And like, once I get a job, that's like the pinnacle for them. And then they're able to work their way up and through hard work, they, they just get, are able to do whatever they want. And I'm like, no, the main thing is trying to figure out how to navigate politics. Cause yeah. I, I have no doubt you'll get a job, but once you get that job, if you were to, if you want a promotion, if you want your strategy to go through, you really have to, to network effectively. Oh my gosh. It's, there's so much politics in the workplace it is bananas. Yeah. I I remember when I just at, at a couple of the corporations I was working at, there was, there'd be situations where kind of like you, where the person would say, no, I don't want to follow this strategy or yes. Like I want to follow this strategy, even though it's not what it may not seem as the most profitable and kind of wondering, Hey, why would you like, what, what's the rationale for doing it? Is it metrics based? Is it something you heard from upper leadership? And sometimes it would just be, no, it's just my opinion. I think this works better. Oh, totally. And and you also have to learn like what small quirks ab- are about like senior leadership. Because well, honestly, most of the time, what is going to hold you up is senior leadership. It's not going to be people who are on the same level as you. But learning about what little things bother them is like... It, like you just have to avoid that so like I mean an example of that and I even if she was if she was in this room right now I would say it too but I work with someone and she does not like 
pay per click. As soon as I, I show, as I show her an agency or I show her a platform or a media buy of some sort, and if it's pay per click, I know she's not going to do it. And so even if it is pay per click, I have to find a way to like position it that it's like not as painful of a pay per click. And it's those kinds of things that when you're at an agency, you're just going to say it because that's the best thing to do. And a lot of times they'll listen to you because you're a paid outside resource. But once you're in house, it's like, I don't know, we have to question you a little bit more, even though we like chose you to work with us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you were you always in contact with senior leadership when you were working uh, at Hallmark? Because sometimes people get kind of intimidated to go talk with their leaders, or they feel like they have all this power, and they don't want to necessarily have a, a mindful relationship with them. Yeah, I would say I have a much better relationship with senior leaders at Royal Caribbean than I did in previous roles. And I think that it has a lot to do with the culture of where you're at. So mm. Royal is, is very, very good about people who are, you know, about our leaders that are high up, reaching out to people who are a lower level than them and like having open dialogue. And it's, it's a cultural thing. So if you're at a, at a company where the VPs are sheltered and people don't only let certain people present to them, then that's going to be different than if you're, you know, somewhere that's a lot more open-minded and, and just kind of collaborative. Yeah. I, I love that, that you're preaching that because there's, there's always environments where they may not always be the best fit for you. And I always tell people, you know, there, there's times where you, you need to grind it out, but you don't necessarily need to be a lifer at a company just because you have a job there. Like if you're unhappy and you don't see yourself growing in that culture, um, yeah. then it's, you should definitely try to move or, or consider, you know, even just quitting and finding something that's better than you and waiting it out. You know, this time is really hard, obviously to find a job during COVID, but mm-hmm. I always like, I, one of the things I was talking to like a couple of the people I was uh, mentoring and chatting to is that they were saying, Oh, should I accept this job? And I'm like, what, I remember I heard it a long time ago when I first got into marketing and I was, I was thinking of transitioning to marketing for the first time, had no clue what I was doing. And everybody was literally telling me, don't leave this company, don't leave this company. And then the, the vice president of the company, I literally got in his office because that's how bad the company didn't want me to leave. And no. he was just like, what's your heart saying about the company? And I was just saying, oh, well, I want to, I want to move into marketing. And he's like, well, if your heart says it, you should follow it or else you're just going to be unhappy and unhappiness leads to lower work morale. So super important. Yeah, for sure. Great one senior leadership is like realistic too. Like, I mean, sometimes I think senior leaders can kind of like put their company on a platform and be like, how could you ever want to leave here? It's so amazing. Like we've created this great place for you and you're lucky to be here. Like that's not... That's, that's just not realistic. So it's cool that your, you know, VP was, was realistic about it. Yeah. You know, the roses could always be uh redder somewhere else, but moving on, you were, you kind of jumped into to Royal Caribbean. So first of all, you, you initially moved to Missouri, right? Uh, yeah. And then you moved back to Miami. Yeah. So I actually, I've lived, I've lived all over. Um, I, I grew up in Michigan and then I went to North Carolina for grad school at Duke and then worked in North Carolina for four or five years and then went to Kansas city and Missouri for Hallmark. And then my husband actually got a job at Chewy, the, um, pet. Oh, the dog company. 
Yeah. So, and he has, he's, I mean, killing it. He's an art director there. Um, so we do really similar work. And then uh, when I found out we were moving to South Florida, I like posted on LinkedIn, Hey, everyone, we're moving to Miami. Like if anyone knows of any jobs, it'd be awesome. Um, and so I uh, had a, an old client actually comment. She's like, Oh, I used to work with this woman who's in, uh, who's the head of HR in uh, Royal Caribbean. Now, if you want to check them out. And they were like my number one place that I wanted to work down here. So got a meeting with her and it was, it was just like happenstance that um, she was someone that I could connect with through on, on LinkedIn. And, and look, now that I know her really well in a working stance, I'm like, how did you have time to like talk to me on LinkedIn and like set up interviews and all this stuff? Um, now she's our like acting CHRO. Um, so our chief human resource officer. And I'm like, how, I don't know how this woman has time in her day to like connect with me. So that was like a very good, you know, first impression of, of this new place that I was working down here in, in Miami. That's cool. That uh, when, when you were traveling so much, were you ever kind of de- deferred based on the situate, like which state you would go to? Because I know for me, I'm in California and, and moving out of California you know, there's always pros and cons and a lot of people overthink it. Like, Oh, it'll, it'll definitely be cheaper if I move out of here, but then I'll miss the <laughs> sunny weather or I have friends and family. Do you think it's important for sometimes people to take risks and, and move out? Yeah, I definitely do. So, um, risk taking has been a very large part of just who I am as a person. Um, so when I was a senior in high school, I spent the whole year in Belgium as a rotary exchange student. So I like lived oh, nice. with a Belgian family and went to a Belgian school. And I think doing that at a young age, kind of like anything scary that happens to me now, I'm like, oh, that wasn't as scary as when you were, you know, 17 years old, taking a bus in a foreign country where you didn't speak the language. Like, yeah. I always compare everything else to that. And I think that has made me like very outgoing and very um, like curious. And, and so, yeah, risk taking is super important. And, and I for me personally, like moving was never, is not, it has never been very scary. Um, it's always been like, Oh, like, what am I going to learn at this new place? What new restaurants am I going to eat at? Like, what is the weather going to be like? Um, which I've, I've experienced, I think like every kind of weather you can like have at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I understand where some people are nervous to, to move and like, work in other places that aren't like huge markets like with marketing it's like oh you're gonna live in new york you're gonna live in la maybe you're gonna live in in atlanta um but but really like everything is in those two big cities but for me it was like i was never as drawn i mean i I had already done an internship in new york so i knew like and this isn't really what i want to where i want to be um but i i like to have a little bit of space so it whenever I can find roles or be sought out for roles that are in places where I can have a little more space, I think is, is great. Yeah. I think LA and New York is always the dream for people who, who aren't necessarily living in LA and New York because <laughs> yeah. it, yeah, it's one, once you actually get there, like in LA, it, it's a great city and the restaurants are great, but you know, the homeless problem right now is, is just out the roof, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then we have, just issues with rent like the the cost of rent is so expensive in LA that you're you're practically paying an arm and a leg to go live in the community and then the traffic you know it's 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 crazy kind of like San Francisco too another big city but in Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley with tech valley uh tech and everything right there but 
I remember I, I used to go down there a lot and I remember to leave the financial district one day, it took me like two and a half hours just to go like three miles. And I was, oh, I was wow. banging my head on my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I understand that too, because in Miami, like we're having a lot of the same problems with rent and with, um, I mean, for me, I, I think about global warming a lot too. So like living in these coastal towns is like in the long term, not necessarily a place where I want to, like be <laughs> and I especially yeah. don't want to you know be here and also be paying like obscene amounts of rent to like wait for the next hurricane so yeah definitely can identify well, yeah. yeah you guys get a lot of those hurricanes and stuff down there and, and global warming is is a real thing I, I know that you know some communities have completely suffered from it and probably because you guys are close to the Caribbean so mm-hmm. I know there's a couple Caribbean islands that are like Oh, in five years, we're going to go completely under um, because of global warming and the the water is just going to over exceed the land. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of that even in the Florida Keys. There's an island that basically had to tell people like, you're not going to, we're not going to pay for you to live here because we're not going to build up the roads. So it costs us too much money to have the roads you know, built to a place where they aren't going to be completely underground. And so you are underwater. So you just need to like find a new place to live, which is very scary. That's so sad. Yeah. yeah. And you can't even sell your home or anything like that. Sad. Right. Sad yeah, exactly. Yeah. So un- unfortunately for those people, ho- hopefully they were able to find great homes in Florida um, in that area away from the alligators and everything. And then, <laughs> yeah. So you're in Royal Caribbean now and you were asking the HR person, how did they, how were they able to respond to your message and how are they able to do everything with such little time on their hands because they're so busy and have such a big position? I think it's really like a testament to just your LinkedIn though, and how you have a great network and how you post content. I always tell people, if you, if you want to connect with people, um, just go for it and and make the message like really personable because it's one of those things where if you're looking for a position, you don't need a message like 2000 people and expect to get, you know, be the biggest influencer. Like you're only going to have one job most likely. So you just need to stay in contact with one person, keep a genuine relationship up. Yeah. And I mean, I think all of your relationships and like moments that you have with people really determine like, your old, your other networking. And like, it's such a cliche, like, oh, you have to make sure you network. Um, but I, when I was in Kansas City, I was really lucky after Forbes that I got to meet a ton of people because I was speaking at events. And I was also like, um, just having, you know, agencies reach out and want to do coffee. And like, there are, I have a ton of good friends that I met just from doing that. So it was, it was cool um, to like get the Royal job just because I had a great relationship with an old client. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and also you're totally right. Like sharing more content on LinkedIn, anytime I have huge peaks and how many people have viewed my profile or people trying to connect with me, it's because I had written a post about something. Yeah, that's great. I I always encourage people like just, and also just to write content that's genuine, like do it consistently if you can. But the main thing is to write content that you like really mean, because if you could, if you just write content every single day to simply put content up like people are gonna most likely people are gonna see behind it and see that you're just posting just to post where did Mm -hmm. you get your drive from and just your mentality to 
kind of grow out your network and also just, you know, speak at events, really make impacts on organizations? Did it come from kind of a younger age where you were, uh, you learned a lot of life lessons back then, or was it just kind of developing as you go down the path of life and gain more roles? Um, I would say that I've always been pretty outspoken. I say that as a laugh because I'm sure people who who uh, listen to this that know me are going to be like, "Yeah, that's an understatement." Um, <laughs> I I really enjoy talking to people and I really enjoy being good at what I do. So that kind of like expertise has always come naturally to me. Um, the other thing is my parents are very. Uh, I don't want to say strict, but they really helped. They always like encouraged me to be the best at something. And so I think that when you're offered an opportunity to talk about, you know, what your journey is or social media or LinkedIn or marketing as a whole, like it, it's easier when from a very young age, I've just always been told that I could do it and that I should do it. And that like, it's natural to do that. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think it's funny because I, I hear from a lot of my friends who have immigrant parents that they had kind of the same thing of like, you're going to be very good at this. Like you're going to, you know, like try your best and you're going to like make us proud of you. And my parents are American. Like they're, they're not immigrants, but I, my, my dad was um, pretty poor growing up. And so I think that that had a little bit to do with like how he raised me of like, you're going to like, hustle your butt off and you're going to like work really hard because like you're afforded more opportunities than like we were. So I think yeah. that, that, that also has to do with it of like, I, I think like the first time when I made more money than my dad, I was kind of like, Holy shit. Like I finally did it. <laughs> and so yeah. I, and I think that's the goal, right? Like you're, that's what your parents ultimately like want from you. Cause like, you have to take care of them when they're old. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They they want to have a private retirement home and, yes. you know, a new car, all that. I'm always, so she, she's like, I want a, I want a, a retirement home with a fountain in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my dad's like, my, my mom and dad are always like, yeah, we need private nurses. We need like a private <laughs> chef, all that. Yeah. My dad yeah. was kind of the same way. He, grew up in the Chinatown community and Mm -hmm. our family actually used to own a shop there. And he was saying that, yeah, it was awesome. But he always used to say like, yeah, I used to remember I'd have like the Adidas with four stripes instead of three. I would always have to roll up a paper bag. uh, Whenever we were eating lunch, I'd have to re-roll that brown paper bag to use it for the rest of the week. So he kind of grew up in that (laughs) mentality. Uh But I love the fact too, that your parents, I think all parents uh, or all, a lot of parents, they tell their kid, Hey, you could do it. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're capable of doing this. You have the skills to do it. But I think the difference that your parents did compared to a lot of other parents is that they said, we're going to give you the platform. Like we, we not only say you could do it, but we also are going to give you the capability and like the, the freedom to go do it. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes you know, parents, like at least in Asian cultures, I I know a lot of their parents are supportive of their dreams and goals, but it's still one of those things where they could be in their twenties and they're sitting at the kid's table as opposed to migrating and and integrating with some of the older relatives in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. So it's it's awesome that your parents were able to really just foster that that growth and that outspokenness, if, whether people are laughing or not, because I think it's just a great skill to have. And that obviously got your foot in the door at Royal Caribbean. So uh, what's yeah. your day-to-day like over there? And obviously, how's the com- company reacted to COVID? Because I'm, I'm sure it affected the cruise industry pretty um, oh, negatively, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I think that the cruise industry has really been kind of like made an example of during all of this. Um, and and I, I can always say like Royal is the is a fantastic place to work. Like I have learned so much working there. Um, I've been there for a little over a year. Um, and let's see, like six months of that has been in, in you know, COVID times. So what my job was initially is I was doing talent marketing, which is something I hadn't ever done a ton of. I did a little tiny bit of it at Hallmark, but um, talent marketing and employer brand, I think is a really interesting space to be in right now. So I was excited to go there and work on that. Um, and ultimately what it is, is just using marketing to get people to work for your company. So with Royal, like we knew in the next, um, few years, we were going to have to hire, we're going to have, we're going to have 80,000 employees, um, which is huge. Uh, that's based, that's, I would say like it's two and a half times bigger than the city that I grew up in. So having oh, wow. that many people, yeah, who work for the Royal Caribbean group is is crazy. Um, so I also really liked my job because I was working with marketing on a much more global scale. So I was, you know, targeting folks in Indonesia and the Philippines and Croatia and Brazil and learning about all these different marketing techniques all around the world is really exciting. And it's super, super targeted because before when I was, you know, doing social in my first jobs, I was finding ways to sell, you know, an $8 mascara. And now I'm basically finding ways to convince people that they should move onto a ship and work with us for, you know, a four, three or four months contract. So that's yeah. really, but I would say like before I was like, Hey, buy something. And now I'm like, Hey, will you marry me? Like I'm convincing people to like change their whole lives. <laughs> um on the internet and so i my day-to-day was spending a lot of time doing that and i work with a team in manila uh so we have an office there uh which i was super lucky to go visit for two weeks it was amazing i absolutely love the philippines and i really love manila um and so i was figuring out a lot of what our strategy was going to be there um i redesigned our website with um some designers I, I, man, I look at so much stuff, even we have hiring partners. So we have these um, folks who help us hire folks in different markets all over the world. And so I'm talking to, you know, hiring partners in the Ukraine. And and it's it's just like such a global, like awesome business that day to day was completely different. And then when COVID happened, obviously, we aren't sailing. Uh, And so when we stopped sailing, we had to really shift our priorities as like, a business, but also as an HR function. So now I'm doing a lot of work still in talent marketing, still, you know, working with a team to manage our social media, but also um, working at how or looking at how we treat our employer brand internally. So what are we doing right now to help with wellness? What, you know, racial and diversity resources do we have internally? How are we packaging these? How are we raising awareness for these so that whether you're someone who works at a call center in Wichita, Kansas, you have the same like impactful 
you know, learning experience as someone who's working in our London office. So that's basically what I'm, I'm working on now. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that if you agree to work for a cruise line and you're actually going to be on the ship that you're going to be there for like three to four months, kind of like Mm -hmm. you were saying. Yeah. And, and there's people like for me, I always, I, the most impactful thing for me was I went on a ship for a week and I stayed in a crew cabin and like learning and eating in the places that they do and taking the same like staircases and elevators and just like being a crew member for a week is it, it changes your whole perspective on like what your job is and like what I'm getting people to do. Cause like, I would never want to sell someone something that I haven't tried myself. And so that was like a very good experience to know more about the business. That's super interesting. Was that part of your training? Um, no. So I actually, I just said that I wanted to do it and I wanted to create, I created some vignettes, um, some short videos of our crew members talking about like what they like about working on the ship, how long they've been there, where they're from. And so we interviewed like, um, six people, someone from Trinidad, someone from the UK, someone from Australia, um, interviewed someone from Colombia, but basically learning about their positions on the ships and kind of like what their impression was and how they felt about it. And so since I was going to do those, I just stayed, I stayed for the whole week and, and learned a lot. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how hard it is for people to work on, on cruise ships because for example, like the, the entertainment crew, like the director, I mean, mm-hmm. they're everywhere, literally like yes. from 8am to like 10pm. I, I, I uh, actually went on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I went on the allure of the seas, I think to, to the Caribbean. And it was an amazing cruise. Uh, there was actually a day where one of our stops, going back to the hurricanes, there was a hurricane during that time. So we actually had to like divert one of our stops and we had an extra day on the cruise ship. But man, that one day that I was there, I, w- I attended a couple of the events and the cruise director was at every single event just running around like crazy. I'm like, how do you have the energy to do this? for seven days and then take a break and, and do it another seven days. Right. And they're probably, yeah, they're probably doing it for like three months at a time. Yeah. That's crazy. How, so how does it work? So they sign a three month contract and then do they get a break per se and then they go back or could they just sign another contract right off the bat if they'd like? Um, so our contracts vary um, by position. I, I'm not 100% sure since our scheduling team works on most of them of how long their breaks are, but they definitely get like little vacations. So I, I think a lot of times it's like three months on, two months off. Got it. Got it. And since you're in charge of kind of the, the talent portion of it, what, what do you generally advertise to people who want to work on on royal caribbean like what what would be the benefits you generally try to advertise to them well we started this um kind of marketing campaign that's centered around the phrase journey with us and so of course we know journey can mean a ton of different things and it's really more it's not just a job it's not just going on a trip like you're not joining this because you get to travel the world and stop off in all these amazing places and see you know ports that you would never ever go to it's also about like how the family that you're going to you're going to g- gain being on the ship the the life skills that you're going to learn the people that you're going to meet um 
and it's just it's more than just you know a job it, it really is this whole journey so we do a lot of work centered around that um the other perks of course are we pay for all of your food and your lodging so if you are someone who um maybe lives in in a, a country where you want to send money back to your family is very very easy to do uh and, and also like i we have so many we, we focus a lot on our user generated comment content because we have so many great employees and great crew members that share pictures of their you know their journeys working aboard ships yeah. and the content is just amazing like people People share what they're passionate about, and our crew members are very passionate about working for us. And so once you see that enthusiasm, I think it can make a lot of people a lot more excited and interested in working on a ship because you see, oh, this person is is doing it and they're living their best life. Maybe I should do that too. Yeah, and they're such good people too. Like uh, mm -hmm. the people who I interacted with on that cruise, everybody is so kind. Uh, to the point to where I, I got even a little surprised because one of them, there was like a little ice cream shop that I visited like twice and mm -hmm. I'm half Filipino. So the guy's like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm also Filipino and we chatted yeah. up a bit and he uh, like before I was about to leave the ship, I, I went in and he's like, oh, hey, Ryan, how's everything going? And I'm like, man, I'm surprised you actually like remember my name considering <laughs> the amount of people that you see on a daily basis, you know, week in, week out. So it, it's super great. Obviously, like, the sailing isn't necessarily going on right now because of COVID. So where do you see kind of the future going with cruising uh, as time goes on? Uh, I think that after all of this, people are going to really need vacations. <laughs> yeah. So, so another thing is I know for us like we're looking at other types of cruising so maybe we don't take you to a, a foreign destination maybe we take you to one of our private destinations um, and you get to be on our island so with Royal I did that on the cruise that I went on when I stayed in the in the crew quarters um, and we went to Coco Cay which is one of our our privately owned destination. So it's Royal Caribbean, everything. And there's a giant water park and it's, you have these, this beautiful beach and the food is amazing. And like, you feel like you're at this like five-star resort and you're on cabanas like over the water. Uh, I think that those will become more popular. Uh, I wish I could be at Coco Cay right now. Like it, <laughs> it would be amazing. Um, but also like there's our ships are so cool. Uh, I had multiple days where I didn't get off the ship because I was working and I still like discovered so much amazing stuff. And I saw all these amazing shows um, and like not to, to totally be like a fangirl of Royal, but we have a, um, a water, like it, uh, it reminds me of like some crazy Cirque du Soleil stuff, uh, like performance. And we have these like world-class performers, like, I'm okay going on a ship and just like going and seeing like these amazing shows. And then I get to like go to bed afterward and I don't have to like walk too yeah. far. So I think that that kind of convenience is always going to resonate with people. Um, I think especially Americans. And once we can get COVID under control, I think it'll be back to back to business. But we're always looking at, you know, we're improving our safety measures all the time. And I would say like cruise ships are incredibly clean. Like, 
we work our butts off to keep those clean. Um, our staff is amazing. And so, oh, yeah. but we're always like looking at that better too. So it's really like the technology and innovation of what we're doing moving forward. Um, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah. Although, you know, it, it is a closed space and you, you're in a ship for seven days. You guys are, are very clean. I'll, I'll give you guys that because whenever you go into food court or anywhere, there's hand sanitizer. There's people who are constantly cleaning and going uh-huh. back to we what you were saying about. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. The washy washy song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, in terms of entertainment, you guys are, it, it's kind of like what you're saying. I think your your ships are kind of the gold standards of of cruises. I, I encourage anybody yeah. who who's listening to this to go check it check out at least their website and look at yeah. the ships because you'll you'll look into you're like okay, there's a movie theater. They have like five pools. One of them had like a zip line. The one I went on it was insane. A zip line on a ship. It's like you don't expect that when you go on. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Awesome. And and the cool thing about Royal Caribbean Group, too, is that we own several different, you know, cruise lines. So you can go on a Royal Caribbean ship if you are like adventurous and have a family or uh, you can go on a celebrity cruise um, if you're maybe looking for that like modern luxury uh, or you can go on an Azamara cruise, which is like Azamara is like the fancy, fancy one where you go to most of their itineraries are like 14 days long, like there's really something for everyone when it comes to cruising, yeah. which is why I'm excited to see, you know, what happens moving forward. That's awesome. And I, I think it's really great that on top of, you know, you being excited with everything that's going to happen in the future, once COVID, you know, uh, we get a vaccine and things are kind of fixed is that just in terms of internal communications, you and the team are working to really keep employee morale up during this time you know, during times when people are, are stuck at home and they aren't able to migrate with their friends or or really even go outside in some situations because they have an underlying condition or something like that, people look up to your company for, as like, what's going to happen? What What's the voice that you guys are sharing? And I think that's great that you're working on that initiative. Oh, yay. Yeah. And I, I love that, too. I'm always looking for different ways that, you know, Royal Caribbean group can kind of like keep us all engaged and in, in learning. And um, I one of my one of my pet projects right now is I'm trying to start a book club uh, for all of our shoreside employees. So I'm in the process of that. And, and it's just like little things like that of ways that we can, you know, stay connected, even if we're not in an office. And and I think that working remote is a very interesting, uh, great practice, personally. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, all the progress that we're making here with working remote, we can, you know, have learnings for that moving forward. Yeah. Out of curiosity, do you know if all the ships are just docked right now? Like, are, are they just docked somewhere? Uh, so some of them are. Um, some of them, a lot of them still have like working staff on them to keep them running. Um, and they're, and some of them are just doing like short trip places. We also, I think have our, we have a ship in Germany that has passengers on it. And then I think we have a, um, we'll have some sailings coming out of, I think China and Australia. Yeah. Well, I I think it kind of depends on where you're at right now, because I I don't think Germany 
or Europe in general has as many COVID cases as America um, and China, they're kind of already past the, the, their peak. So they're, they're kind of uh, the rate is going down over there. It's kind of different. You hear something on the news every day. Uh, you know, it's really until we get a vaccine when everybody will be able to start sailing again and be be free. Yes, I'm excited for that vaccine. I hope that they actually trial it correctly. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, there was there was news that it was trialed. I think like last month, and everybody was so excited. But I think they only trialed like 40 people. It, it was a small amount, and I was is- like, oh, I, I don't know if that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm comfortable. Yeah. I know I, I don't want to I don't want to turn green or anything once I, I'm injected <laughs> or have a, a weird underlying condition or something like that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I, I love that you've had so much diverse experience and traveled to so many places. Just as a, a last question, if you had like one message for anybody listening or even to pass along to your older self that you'd like to to tell people, what would it be? Um I was, I've been thinking about this a lot. The kind of the, the go-to one that I have been using frequently that I like to tell young people and kind of tell myself whenever I'm nervous is um, <laughs> have the confidence of a white boomer male, <laughs> and, which is a cliche. I know we shouldn't stereotype all white boomer men, but I do think that ingrained in women ingrained in people of color um is a lot of doubt and so i think that once you can kind of forget about that doubt and you can focus on your own success you open yourself up to a ton of possibilities and so anytime i have doubted like oh i don't know if i should send this email i don't know if this is the right thing to do i don't I don't know if I should leave this job. I'm just like, you know, if you were a white boomer male with all the confidence in the world, what would you do? You would do it. So I, I think that if you can ask yourself that once in a while, it's, it's, it's really beneficial to kind of kill the imposter syndrome or, or kill that, that doubt. Yeah. And I, you know, you're kind of saying stereotypes aren't, shouldn't be used in every situation. I think this is one of the situations where it's okay to use it. <laughs> um, I, I I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of immigrants out there, um, especially people who are just immigrating to this country for the first time, uh, especially with everything going on in society nowadays, or uh, women, you know, particularly we've seen the women's movement uh, with Me Too and everything mm-hmm. uh, kind of rising to prevalence over the past couple of years. But I think there have been a lot of situations where immigrants and women haven't been afforded a lot of the opportunities that uh, white boomer males have or mm-hmm. you know are kind of just handed to. Uh, so I think hopefully you know the co- the cogs in our society are changing and I see it on a daily basis um, to where you know women and immigrants will have more opportunities and also the confidence as time goes on as those opportunities are, are being taken up to where they could essentially just, uh, you know, get into positions in their dream careers or take opportunities or even in life, you know, do things in life to where they'll feel comfortable with it. Yeah. And, and I know that there's going to be people who are 
offended by that statement. And I would say if you're someone who's offended by that statement, then you should take on someone as a mentee that is a person of color or a woman, a woman and figure out how you can help them so that you're using your privilege. Yeah. And and to go add on to that point, like you said, it's not, it's it's not necessarily a, a bad or hateful or vengeful statement. It's it's not it's just kind of a true yeah. statement because if we look in the Fortune five hundred, uh throughout history, generally the people who had management positions were Caucasian boomer males. And at the same time that's not harboring diversity and inclusion. Yeah. A couple companies I've worked at, you know, we've we've luckily been able to see more diversity. And I, I think a big example of that is like uh, Lowe's, for example. Like Lowe's yeah. The CEO is like a, a African American male. I think Reddit, Reddit's another CMO example. Is it's a woman too. Yeah. See, so that's awesome. Uh, they really encourage. I, I know Lowe's is a very, uh, just great organization. Is like in terms of diversity. If you guys, whatever, be curious and looking into that, I'll, I'll put a link in the bio or something like that. But yeah, they're they're a Lowe's great is, company to look at. Lowe's is awesome. I, I give all the shout outs to Lowe's. I, one yeah. of my best friends actually uh, at Fleischman does PR, the PR for Lowe's. And I worked with her on the new biz pitch for Lowe's when I was at Fleischman. And they're a really great company and they, they put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Well, th- along with diversity, that's probably one of the reasons why they're doing well. Do you see a lot of diversity and inclusion uh, at Royal Caribbean? Yeah, I say all the time, this is the most diverse place I've ever worked. And I really, I really love when I am in a meeting and I'm like, I'm in a meeting with someone from China, someone from Italy, someone from the Philippines, someone from Colombia, someone from Chile, and we're all in the same meeting. And like, it just, it warms my heart because I'm like, oh, this is that like amazing global like experience that I have wanted like my whole life and a career. And I finally have that. So I love that. We also like put out diversity and inclusion surveys. We're always learning about like how people feel here, um, working here, because of course you can be a very diverse company with your employees, but if the ideology is behind it and if the day-to-day isn't very diverse, then it's not as, as helpful. Yeah. And you guys work with so many countries in general and in terms of workers and employees on your cruise lines uh, that, I think it, it's kind of not only, I know for some companies, it's not necessarily a requirement, like a hard requirement. Um, one thing that I'm really happy with is like in, in Cal States, like the college I went to in the, the past, uh, I think they're making cultural studies like now a requirement, which I think is like the most amazing thing that they could do. Um, but I think that you guys work with so many different countries that it, it's one of those things where if you guys don't have diversity and inclusion, you wouldn't be as successful as you are as a company. Like you're kind of always ahead of the curve. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, and I'm I'm sure you guys are. But hey, I just want to say thanks for coming on again today, Thea. Your, your message thanks is for great. Me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, going back to Thea's last message about having confidence in yourself and taking up opportunities, just for a little context. I just met the uh, how mm-hmm. how long ago? Like a couple weeks ago. I just sent you a message <laughs> over LinkedIn, and you said yes to it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. But to really drill down the point, I really just want to tell you guys that feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you guys are ever curious uh, about my journey or you just want to chat. 
um, always open to talking and really encourage you guys to reach out to somebody right now, expand your network, chat with people, make new friends, make new helpful, genuine connections. Um, and just have complete confidence that you could do it. We as humans are inherently good people. There's no pressure at all. And the worst thing somebody could do is say no. So totally encourage you guys to reach out and build out your networks during this time. Yeah, of course. And if anyone like has questions or wants to reach out, I reply to all of my LinkedIn messages. So send me a, send me a little invite. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for coming on again, Thea. I'll put her LinkedIn in the description below. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating or review and also make sure to subscribe. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks, y'all.